Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Money Podcast, coming live at you every Monday. Today, we're going to be talking about a very specific topic called currency arbitrage. So let's say the textbook definition. The textbook definition of arbitrage is the simultaneous purchase and sale of the same asset in two different markets in order to profit from tiny differences. We're going to go deeper into this concept today. My name is Harm, and I'll be your host for today, and I'm here with my co-host, Aaron. Hello, guys. My name is Aaron, and I'm going to be your co-host. Before we start off today, I want to make a quick disclaimer that none of the things we say or talk about in this episode are any form of financial advice. Make sure you do your own research before you go into anything. So first, we're going to start you off with a quick hypothetical by my colleague Aaron here. Please, Aaron, could you explain to us price arbitrage? Of course, I'm. So basically, what we're talking about price arbitrage, um, let's say hypothetically, we have uh, an Apple store that sells apples for one euro and fifty. And then we have a second Apple store that sells apples for you one euro. You could now arbitrage this or, um, or exploit or exploit this by going ahead and buying apples for one euros at one store and then selling the apples, essentially trading the apples uh, in the other store for one, euro, for one euro and 50, which would at the end make you a profit of 50 cents. Exactly. And this is also used currently. Mostly, this is used in crypto markets, as these days happens, you know. But it used to also be do, done on things like the New York Stock Exchange or the London Stock Exchange. Where there, of course, instead of doing cryptocurrencies, you could do essentially the same thing, but with real-life stocks. So, let's say you want to get into this whole crypto thing. What are some of the interesting utilizations for arbitrage? The first step you make while wanting to arbitrage something is to look at the price of a certain asset in multiple categories, or in this case, multiple markets. So let's say we have Binance on our left-hand side, where a certain cryptocurrency is bought for about, let's say, 50 euros. Then, on a different service, like Kraken, you can sell the subject or trade it for 70 euros. This would be a real-life example of taking, in this hypothetical, 20 euros profit. Of course, this is not all of it, because there are a lot of things there are to look out for. Things like, let's say, uh, currency fees, withdrawal fees, deposit fees, and other things are to be looked into, before going actually into the market and setting this up. Most of the time, people will go into this market with a very large margin. This means basically that you're going in with a lot of currency upfront. For a lot of us, that is not really possible. So there have actually been recent denominators in this in this field. Let's say, let's say we take a flash loan against it. So what do flash loans do? Flash loans are in assets, uh, loans you can take from a company that will be with that have to be repaid within at least let's say 10 seconds or less so with, while it sounds like a very interesting way of possibly making the money back you have to of course do a lot of financial research beforehand and also be fast enough to actually make the loans last so that means that currency arbitraging is not really done by someone themselves but instead there's a lot of bot usage etc so with that out of the way i kind of want to go into the discussion of the topic a little bit so how about we go into a few of the arguments regarding cryptocurrency arbitrage? So what do you think so far about the topic, Errol? Well, I think it's actually a pretty interesting topic. Um, but when I gotta be when I gotta be, really, gotta be really honest, I don't think it is in a real life situation that exploitable. But up until now, I mean it sounds like a good and cool concept. Exactly. And I've, heard, I've heard it's I've heard it's actually really pretty pretty risk free. 
Yeah, actually, that's one of the things that's most brought up. Seeing as the part of flash loans here is something which is uh, does not use any form of collateral at all. This means that if you do not fulfill within the time of the loan itself, it will simply be reversed and withdrawn. You yourself not taking any of your financial losses in that part. This makes it a very easy way for getting in there. However, what some people do not like as much about them is the possible morality issue. Should we really be giving loans to this many people for relatively nothing? No, oh, that's a good concept. That's that's a good question. Mm. I mean, in the end, in the end, if you're, I've heard, I've heard there's like there's like websites for that, right? Mm. Yeah, there are a ton. Yeah, of. yeah, there's there's like a ton of websites for that that give all these loans, and. I mean, in the end, it would it would just be fair if these companies, uh, well, charge you for at least something when you take the loans out, or charge you in any way. It doesn't have to be for like every loan you take out. Maybe you have to buy like a monthly subscri subscription or something. That would be the first thing that come would come to my mind um, that you have to that, that you would be charged for. In the end, I do agree with that. So for a lot of these services, it would be decently obvious to do a service fee. Instead, most of these companies simply use an interest fee over the whole. So in case you do make profit, and which is what they want you to do, they can actually take a part of that. Oh, yeah, that's a good concept. So in this way, it is essentially, there is a form of interest, but it's not like taking any other loan where you'll have to pay back the interest for 100% certain. So with that aside, do you see any reason for arbitrage by any chance? That might be in asking a question to you, the viewer, but also to you, what do you think arbitrage is usually used for in the decent markets of, let's say, crypto these days? Oh, well... I mean, first thing to make money, <laughs> but um, well, let me take that off for you I'm, for a quick second, all right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's say hypothetically, Aaron, we do have a current very well optimized arbitrage position. So we're buying Bitcoin at one stop for let's say thirteen hundred in Bitcoin every time. Then at the other stop where we're selling it at, it's going to be about 1,400 Bitcoin. This gives us a profit of simply 100 euros. All right, let's say mm -hmm. that. Yep. So by doing this constant arbitraging and doing it with enough volume and enough force, we can eventually level out the currency, the currency type, so the euro worth of these two positions. This means that the markets will eventually become rather stable. Yep. That's one of the big positive parts of arbitrage as a whole, in essence. So that's exactly the interesting point about it. So... Even though we are currently profiting from something, it won't always be there. And that's also why there is a certain risk involved with arbitrage. So let's say, for example, we're opening one of these positions, but on the secondary website where we want to sell it, the price actually slips. So in the time, it will take you to sell it over there and have the uh, right amount of buyers to buy that product off of you. The price has already gone up or down, which could mean pretty bad things for us. And this is actually not as common with the big cryptocurrencies. Let's take a look at, for example, Bitcoin, Ethereum. These won't be as affected by that because there's always people willing to buy it at a certain price. However, if we're going to get into the smaller markets, like let's say uh, Ripple, for example, where there isn't quite as many buyers, quite <coughs> as many sellers, it may be mm -hmm. a lot harder to gain a profit here due to slippage. Yes, yes. So in essence... Looking out for slippage is one of the things we have to calculate in when we're deciding to buy or sell something. That aside, of course, that's not the only obstacle in our way. So let's take a look at the obvious fees here. A lot of the crypto sites actually do make money off of these fees. So let's say you want to buy cryptocurrencies. There could be a possible possibility of a 2% fee, 
which you would obviously have to uh, put into our calculations for that, right? Because if you want to make money off of it, yeah, you can't yeah. be eaten alive by feed, which does occasionally happen to some traders. And it's not really the end of the world. The only reason this could be a big problem for you is when you're doing it through a large amount of flash loans. As we have seen in the past, people are taking out flash loans worth of $300,000, for example. This is not really a margin of interest which you can handle if you're going through fees. Because, of course, the fees themselves are not covered by the company yeah. giving you these loans. And that is essentially, in my opinion, the predatory aspect of them. While it's very easy to access these very high loans nowadays, it isn't quite as easy to get rid of the fees that are hidden in the back instead of hidden in the front. So, yep. Eric, I'm asking you now, would you ever indulge in one of these arbitrage trades? Well, now that, you, now that you've explained it in this way, I would probably even stay away from it a bit just because of the fees. But at the same time, I do have another downside that is hindering me from that as well, which would definitely be this, just, the, just, just the fact that you will probably not make that great of a profit. Um, for example, let's talk about the bigger cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, um, Ethereum was a, was a good one, yeah. Mm. Let's, say, let's say we would just buy Ethereum on one platform and then sell it on the other or try to do that. The amount of profit that you would make, I think it's not, it wouldn't, wouldn't be that great, you know? No, I do exactly understand where you get from. So while looking at bigger Bitcoin or the bigger Bitcoin forms, like let's say, like you said, Bitcoin mm -hmm. or Ethereum, it is true that the margins might be significantly smaller. But when let's say we find a five euro price differential between two of the less big ones. So let's say, for example, Litecoin. Let's say one uh, one place sells Litecoin for a hypothetical one euro and the other one for two euro. This is a very, very, very big price jump. You would not really see this at all. Mm -hmm. So it'd be more like one euro on one platform, one euro and five cents on the other one. This is still a very nice margin to take profits from. Mm. Because while at face value, it might not seem like it because... Well, obviously, you're making five cents per one if you're not looking at interest fees, uh, other calculated <laughs> fees by the websites, of course, that being. Yes. But in essence, that's what flash loans allow you to do. Because a flash loan will turn your 0% or your one coin into maybe thousands of them. And that's when the five cents really starts to stack up in those opportunities. So that's in theory oh, also yeah. why you would be able to get into this market without very much upfront capital at all. So what are you... What that is think? no, that is that is a mind changer when I, when I think about it. Yeah, because you could you you could be doing that. You can be doing that in, in theory with like, let's say for small traders or like even beginner traders, um, with just like a hundred bucks or two hundred, five hundred, um, and out of that you could actually just you could actually make profit. I'm realizing right now. Yeah, that makes so, sense. So yeah, in essence, I would, what I would, a lot of yeah. I would actually Sorry? indulge. I would actually indulge in that now. Just, just now that you're saying that? Makes exactly. sense. So with that slightly out of the way and everybody understanding how these certain topics work now, I'll be honest and say, I don't really think flash loans should very much be a thing at all. I personally don't like the morality of, of selling these flash loans without any form of supervision. <coughs> For example, if I take out a flash loan, to be honest, there's not a lot that can go wrong with a flash loan. But what this flash loan can allow us to do is to rack up hundreds of not even, yeah, not even thousands of euros in fees and if our trade does go sideways, we are left on our accounts with these fees that we can't repay. Or we're having to take out other sums of money to repay these debts, basically, to the companies. So that's why it's so important, especially in these arbitrage markets, to really, really, really research and try to calculate what you need to have in capital to support it 
and where you can and can't make a profit. So this is in essence also why price slippage, possible uh, defaults, and yeah, maybe even certain sudden price changes should be taken into account. However, we have seen in the past that a lot of people have made significant amounts of money from this, usually exploiting other forms of cryptocurrency besides Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, I've I've also I've also seen that a lot of people do that with um, real estate these days. It actually it actually uh, works. Ah, so we're getting more into price flipping or the house flipping market. Oh yeah, I yes, think. yes. Ah, uh, yeah. So that's of course one of the bigger difference between the two of these, because in cryptocurrency you're not really doing much with it. You're not adding any business, not any any worth to it. We're just simply selling and buying in the same moment, and that's exactly why these flash loans are so short. Like I said, mostly they're under 10 seconds, which makes it an automated bot platform. So let's say hypothetically, I want to get a flash loan. Mostly none of us will be able to set up multiple wallets, do the transactions within the 10 second limit. Definitely not. And that's exactly why we have bots these days. These simple bots will be inaccessible to a lot of people. Most of these bots are relatively expensive to use. Though there are, to my knowing, also some uh, cheaper alternatives, so to say. So for anything, try, anyone trying to get into the arbitrage market, it might be nice to do a little bit of research in the different bot networks and then possibly getting it in that way. Of course, I am not advising any of this. So what do you think, Alan? Should more people get into arbitrage markets? or? I would say so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, I, th- I think it's a nice, I think it's an, it's a nice, it's a nice way to make money these days, but do definitely do your, do your research before. Like we, like we say, this is not uh, advice or anything. So do the, do you, do your research before? Cause it's, it can get, it can get risky to a degree with, I mean, not, it can't get risky, but like it has a certain, it has a certain risk to it. Mm. Especially because of the fees, and when you get a flash loan, you will you do something that is, you do a trade that is risky or anything in that type of matter. Um, you can actually you can actually get stuck on these fees. So, yeah, I would advise that you do your research at least before it. Yeah, and that's exactly the advice that should be given to basically anyone starting in the financial markets. Financial markets may seem like easy money upfront. But at the end of the day, they do bring significant financial risks as well. Yeah. So while I think it's very interesting for people to dabble in it and maybe possibly even start in it, I think a certain amount of caution should always be made up front. Always do enough research. Maybe read about it, talk about it with friends or anybody who's knowing about the topic itself. I have personally never dabbled in arbitrage, though I have looked into it a lot. To me, it's a very interesting way of earning money, as well as uh, ethically speaking, doing something pretty decent. A lot of these companies, of course, can't track their perfect modules of the cryptocurrencies they uh, have on their platforms. Therefore, arbitraging is a good way for us to stabilize currencies on all fronts. So while it might seem like a little bit of a gold rush to get to the right arbitrage points that give you maybe, let's say, 5% earnings, it's a very slow walk. So make sure to take it slow and do your research. Arbitraging in general doesn't seem to me like it's one of the things that will replace your day job all too often, unless you manage to maybe get a really good streak or have a good strategy behind it. So that's exactly the reasons why I think that currency arbitraging should be for the few people who are willing to spend enough time in it. Otherwise, <clears throat> always try and find your own ways. Yes. Um, I do I do, I do. do have to add, though, that I think arbitraging is something that is uh, more well-suited for like the upper upper capital. Um, yeah, let's, let's just form it another way. 
I do think I do think arbitraging is um, definitely more effective and also more doable for people with more capital, just in general. Exactly, but so is relatively speaking any of the markets. So otherwise, what you could always be doing, set up a little jar inside of you, you know, get up some money, maybe save it a little bit. It's not a decent idea to go into the financial markets with a possible savings account. Always keep those separate, at least. So make sure you have enough money to get by at all times. And then if you do have some left over and you want to try investing, currency arbitrage might be a fine way to do it. Looking at flash loans, those, of course, give you a big possibility to make earnings. But as we've said, there's also a certain amount of risk. So with that out of the way, Aaron, what are your yes. actual thoughts about currency arbitrage? Because I'm kind of wondering right now. My actual thoughts. So let's just say personally, I would like to get into it. It's, 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 it sounds, it sounds very interesting. Mm. But I do, I do have to feel, do I do have this feeling of like. Without without the flash loans, you will need to have at least a very very big amount of um, capital for investing, or otherwise it, otherwise it just won't pay out the risk that you're that you're getting into, um, you're, that, that you're getting yourself into with the fees. So, if I had if I had ten k twenty k right now, just waiting 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 for for me to spend them, um, there will be. One option, definitely, or arbitrage, currency arbitrage would be an option that I would take, definitely. Yeah, but that was also bringing me onto something else I want to to get out here. It's something I haven't really seen, personally, at least, but mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that it does exist. It's high-frequency tra high trading bots instead. Mm -hmm. These will be bots that do the same very action hundreds of times within, well, seconds, so to say. So if you were to use something like that, I'd assume that you'd be able to get onto the market do it about 100, 200, 300 times, even with a lower capital. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you're still earning off of about 5% difference in the arbitrage mm -hmm. market, right? Mm -hmm. So even with that, let's say, I think I may have actually tried. I may think that I would actually try something like this, even if it's just for a little bit, depending on, let's say, the bot fees or service fees, etc. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because... Definitely. To me, it seems like if you wanted to get into arbitrage, you need to know a lot of your markets, a lot of the financial markets, so to say. This means that you're not only looking at two markets, like let's say Kraken and Binance, but you want to be looking at a very, at a high amount of markets, and you need to know a lot about them too. So let's talk about, let's say, deposit fees, withdrawal fees, you know, all these fees combined are going to make up a part of your arbitraging costs. Yeah, definitely. So... Do you think you know enough about it, Aaron, to let's say get into arbitraging? Or? Oh, me, me personally, me personally, um, no. I think I would have to. I think I would definitely have to do a lot more research for that. Um, I do have to. I do have. To, I do have to admit that I don't. I don't. I wouldn't definitely. I would definitely not try it on the on the current um, coin market. I would more so try to try to do that on other things. I mean, you can see arbitrage like very various different forms for me personally i would think i would try something like oh what would be what be what would be a good option well the first <laughs> well, the, the, the first the first thing that would just definitely come into my mind is buying things mm -hmm. personally off ebay or off of ebay or something like that and reselling i mean that would be the first thing that would come to my mind um oh so can you put that in like an example let's say, yeah let's let's say let's say let's say i find 
let's say oh well that this that this should this should be actually a pretty popular one it's it's kind of like drop shipping i mean but just for the private person um let's say you buy something cheap on alibaba let's say um toilet paper yeah just just randomly toilet toilet, toilet paper would be the first thing um Let's say you buy some toilet paper on Alibaba for one euro and you get ten rolls. I would try to resell. I mean, yeah, I would. I would try to resell those on eBay for, let's say, fifteen euros. And you could no. How much did I say? A euro, right? Yeah, one euro. So yeah, compared to fifteen euro. euros is a lot, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say that. That, that was at that point you're making significant profits. Yeah. yeah. That was that was wrong. All right. Let's say we buy this we, we buy these toilet papers for one euro. I would try to flip them on eBay for one euro fifty, two euros for I mean, okay. If I have to ship them, I would I would even say I would try to flip them there for two or three euros. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, would be, that, would, that would be something I would rather try than the crypto market because I think the crypto market does does require a lot of um research to do before you get into it. Well, I'll be very honest and say I did not expect your hypothetical to go there in the slightest. Mm-hmm. What I thought Aaron was going to say, and that would be my preferred hypothetical for this scenario, at least. Let's say, hypothetically, I find a nice t-shirt on, let's say, eBay, uh, Marplatz, as we have here in the Netherlands. Yeah. And I see the shirt and I think, wow, it's being sold currently for 10 euros. I'm pretty sure that this shirt is worth more. So with my knowledge of it, at least, I could be, I could buy it. Then, once I get it in the mail, there could be possible fees, like, let's say, the sending fees, etc., and I take those off. Then I put it back on the very same website, but at an increased price, right? Uh-huh. So let's say from 10 to 20 euros. I have spent about three euros on the shipping fees to my house because it's just going through the regular postal mail. Yeah. So I have to take those off. The cost of it would have been 13 euros now. And instead, I will make a profit of seven euros then because I'm selling it for 20 euros. Of course, it would be possible that I also have to send do the sending fees for that particular parcel. So that would mean that it comes out to a little less than that. Mm-hmm. But that's what I thought would be the interesting part. Because then we're actually seeing a thing like the price arbitrage, where there's a difference between the price and its actual worth. Because that's, in essence, what we're trying to pull correctly with arbitrage. Because if something is worth less on one website or on one broker than it actually is on a different one, mm-hmm. that means that, well, one of the prices is going to be incorrect. So if we're pri- if we're doing an arbitrage from one side to the other, so let's say from the lower side to the higher side, and it's not being sold, that means that the supply, the, the, the uh, sorry, the supply is not high enough to meet the demand. Mm-hmm. Or I'm sorry, the, the supply is too high for the demand, and that means that well, most likely it should it's go price down in value. Yeah, exactly. Well, if we're doing it this way, same way, and you're selling it instantly. That's actually a very good thing because that means we're bringing the price closer to its actual worth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so if we're looking at it from that way, it seems to me, in theory, that it's a relatively ethical decision to, you know, do this arbitrage because at some point someone is going to come in and do it. So if I would see an opportunity for it, and I mean like a good opportunity, but like, let's say a 5% differential, I mm-hmm. think I might actually, you know, jump on it because in essence, I can take a flash loan, which does not have collateral. Mm-hmm. And if I'm very sure about it, I'm pretty sure I would do it as, at least. Not to say anybody should do it. And of course, the, the fees, if it went downhill, it would be all on me. That's yeah. not the issue here. But it's still a very interesting thing to, for me to at least experiment with, I think. 
Yeah, I think I think it's interesting as well. Um, we should definitely look at that. Maybe maybe do it. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. So a lot of these flashlight websites obviously earn it off of interest fees, right? And what are these interest fees really? I'm not sure about the current interest fees and what they go for for the usual rate, but I'd assume somewhere something in like two percent margins, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that seems logical to me to say the least. Mm -hmm. So even when we're taking our flash loans and we're taking these big arbitrage profits, sometimes even 30,000 euros is on the table for those. I mean, what really is 2 to 3% for that? Like, it's not a whole lot. And that's, in my opinion, what makes it so interesting to talk about. Because you don't see it everywhere. I have not found a lot of things on oh, yeah. of currency arbitrage. But there is a very slight niche of people out there who are doing this actively and possibly even as a day job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I haven't, I, I myself personally, I haven't really seen it as well, um, unless you brought it up before before we did our research for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, so personally, I do think we may be able to add some people to the mix of this niche. So why I think it would be healthy is it would become a little bit more of a let's say competitive environment. Mm -hmm. And while a competitive environment isn't always good per se. I think it drives a little more uh, risk towards these certain markets. Well, of course, nobody really likes to deal with the risks of taking a financial, uh, yeah, taking a financial uh, target on like this. Mm. It is always good to have multiple people doing it because it only makes sure that for us, the consumers, our prices on the different platforms will be more accurate than ever. And yeah. that's why I think it's a very nice thing for the most of us. I think that is also I think that is also pretty good because it will drive the um, price differences that will actually support the arbitrage itself i mean if we have if we have people if we have people um for example increasing the supply on one side and then thus de decreasing the supply on the, on the other side we have uh, higher differences and also thus fluctuating the, the the prices you know yeah exactly and then it's of course to other people to actually further inflate this price mm -hmm. by you know adding your own money onto the market and putting it there in a form of equity mm -hmm. So besides this, I think it's a very interesting thing. And I think it's for you, the viewer out there. Of course, very interesting for you to look into. So with that being said, I think this has been our episode for today. Aaron, do you have anything yeah. left you want to say? Not really, except for we should definitely get more people hooked onto this. It's I think I think we should I hope I hope this con I hope this podcast about currency arbitrage um helped the viewer out there as well. And it helped you understand more of uh, what the currency arbitrage is and how it works and how you essentially can utilize it. So with that being said, I want to thank you all very much for watching. If you have any questions regarding any of our topics or even giving us feedback, you can do so in one of our social media platforms. Yes. For any form of email service or questions being asked, you can send us emails at, uh, at mondaymoneypodcast, mondaymoneypod at gmail.com. Besides yes. that, Aaron, would you please give us the, give the viewers our socials for today? Of course. And you can contact us and also see us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Discord, and YouTube. Make sure to just follow the links that are down below. And thank you very much. Thank you all. Have a very great day.